0: Welcome to the EIQ Nutrition Podcast. The aim of EIQ Nutrition is to help coaches support their clients in the best way that they can. What
1: makes the EIQ course different is that it's practical and applied rather than just theory-based. This is a recording from our weekly Q&A sessions in the EIQ group and all questions are from the
0: students and the graduates. If you want to support your clients in the best way possible and be the best coach you can be, Head to eiqnutrition.com for a ton of free resources and to sign up for the next intake of the course.
1: What a great, what a great
0: word. Queso. Is Cueso it too- moody? Moody? Moji? Whatever Good word. Oh Cueso. god! Cueso. No. Cueso the the moody. Stri- oh gosh! Right. Oh. Too, much, too much
1: queso. Too much queso um yes i'm just getting questions up and um, how are you
0: great babe how are you great also babe i'm just giving everyone an insight we both know that like that's definitely not true today
1: uh listen right in the second everything is moment. yeah yeah exactly that exactly that very excited for level up oh I didn't know we had a theme tune to it that's exactly the theme tune it's gonna happen all weekend I'm just gonna start my talks of
0: level up and welcome to level up. I think it just adds a certain je ne sais quoi to the event yeah I mean if it didn't have enough je ne sais quoi already then <laughs> now it does
1: Mm -hmm. and Cara's just put a post up about her prep for the event which is very exciting who's coaching the coaches other than us
0: (laughs) Cara's also this is very exciting Annie has just put three waving emojis in the group hi Annie
1: hi Annie thanks for the questions again they're jumping jumping
0: jumping Wow. You know, this goes out as a podcast now, Amelia.
1: Oh my God, I forgot. Well, I've got no excuses; It's just who I am. So, Oh, okay. Right. Um, I forgot about it. I think we should just crack on with the questions, to be honest. Okay. okay. Here's a question. Hey, I have a question about body image and just helping someone get to a more accepting place especially if they are not in a place to diet, i.e. working on their relationship with food. And if those bod, bod, <laughs> bad body image days, brackets, the feelings that are created from those body image thoughts, are driving someone to use food to cope with that. We've got a lot of body image questions today, actually.
0: Great, I wouldn't have to say anything.
1: Absolute rubbish. I was about to say that's the reason that you should just jump in, because we've got so many of them um do you know what it's really tough what I would say is this is actually sometimes where your marketing as a coach becomes important and I don't mean in the moment but I mean on the long on the long term and I say this because our coaches I'm very well aware that like the ATB coaches are all of us like we are all white able-bodied smaller-bodied individuals and we've had feedback many times when people say well why should I listen to you when you're talking about body image and it's something that like I'm very aware of but we're trying to be more aware of as a team and I think actually sometimes it can come across quite and it shouldn't it definitely shouldn't but it can come across as quite difficult to hear from people who maybe and I'm not saying this to you by any means here has asked the question uh, but in general it can be a, a bit of a a reminder to be mindful of the stuff that you share if you're supporting body images are you putting a lot of that type of stuff about your body out there um because it can actually create a little bit of um uh, not distrust but a little bit of separation between you and your clients who are maybe in larger bodies or in different bodies or less able-bodied and they're trying to find acceptance it's like well why should i listen to you and i and and i do think that's a sort of side note really because it's not something that you should especially you should change but um it's just in general something to consider um in terms of like actually in the moment uh, or at this point in time some things I'd work on so I know that you can't come to level up this weekend because you have an event and that's fine um but one thing that I would say you can work on is it. like the objective. there's the two things there's like the objective stuff and then there's like the quote-unquote thought or mindset or however you want to frame it stuff and I think sometimes we go and we talk so much about mindset we don't think about like okay well objectively what can we do we can objectively work on body checking behaviors and and I've spoken before about this spectrum of body image um or body checking from um, body avoidance to body checking. And where we really want to be is somewhere probably in the middle, we'll probably be up and down that scale. But often when we struggle with body image, we um, are kind of more on either side or either extreme of the spectrum. So, managing that, so bringing awareness to that and doing something quantifiable. So, the one I always talk about that I use with clients is about counting how many times you're body checking and actively reducing that. Other practical things like wearing clothes that fit, Anna always talks about how she, when she was doing this work, I think it was with me or before that even, that she used to have a mirror like on her chest of drawers that was at waist height and she said I just always walk past it and I would just always see myself my midsection in the mirror all the time so I just moved that out of the way, like practical things can be really, really helpful and then, of course, the, the side of things around focus on, on, and I know that you'll know this, but like body functionality, awareness and appreciation and not just, OK, well, I can lift this much in the gym, but OK, well, my body's allowed me to, you know, pick up my child's home school today or go to the park with my child or, you know, whatever is important to this person and actively doing this. I think sometimes people think that body image is just going to change with time. I think sometimes we have this idea that, well, one day I'll just wake up and I'll be okay with my body. And it's like, realistically, just like fat loss, if you're not changing your behaviours, you're probably not going to lose body fat. If you're not actively putting in the work to support your body image, your body image is probably not going to change. So every day doing something like journaling on your on your body appreciation or just daily gratitude um, can be really, really effective. And um also again we spoke last week about thought postponement was it that? it was about yeah it was so come and meet if you haven't watched that or listened to that episode listen to that where i spoke about like we use thought postponement with body image with our clients of saying okay well if you have a body image thought you're allowed to revisit it but you're going to revisit it at a certain time of day and it's whatever time ideally not close to bedtime but you know like maybe 5 p.m The end of your work day or your drive home—that's your time to think about it. And if it still requires your thought, then fine, use that time to think about it. But actually, when you come around to it, often you don't want to overthink it because it's not helpful. But what that does is just creates this sense of empowerment around. Well, I don't have to give my time and energy to these thoughts if I don't want to. Mm.
0: I think it is interesting to note as well that like those feelings pass. Like I guess it's kind of like postponing eating like you might be like oh I feel really hungry now or I'm craving something now and you're like okay well you know if you still want that after you've had your healthy nutritious dinner then you can have it and then often you're full and you don't want it anymore and same with like sort postponement like actually you might think that you want to sit in that feeling or think about that or overthink that and then later on you're like oh no I don't like I don't want to do that I don't want to waste my energy on it or it's not important to me anymore and I guess it is kind of like a way of surfing the urge as well And I think it's quite, it's a useful way of framing it in your head. I think both with food and with this instance of like body image thoughts is that you're not saying you can't think it or that you shouldn't think it or you're trying to block it. And you're not saying you can't have it or that you shouldn't have it or that you're not going to have it. You're just saying, if I still want to have this, I'll have it at a later date. And I don't know whether this is true for body image as well. It'd be quite interesting to keep a note of this like as individuals to see if there's certain times of day that it's worse because we know that like most people will overeat in the evening so even knowing that knowing that you don't your decisions generally aren't as good after 8pm because you're tired because you've got too much time on your hands because you're sitting in front of the TV, whatever it is that even just saying like, I don't make good decisions past 8 p.m. So I'm not going to make decisions around food or I'm not going to make like, you know, it's also when you text your ex and it's also when you order a load of shit on Amazon that you don't need. And like most bad decisions happen after 8 p.m. So if you know that about yourself, you could just be like, okay, I'll leave that in my shopping basket. And if I still want the home sauna at 8 a.m., then I'll order it. And, you know, normally you don't order the random shit that you thought you wanted in the middle of the night. So things like that I don't know how like if that also applies to body image but there's certain times of day and if you can kind of get to know yourself around that and then we know there's certain times of months where it will be worse as well and I always thought that research was really interesting that like at certain times of the month not surprising but again kind of just shows that it's like another level of being like well it's not it's not objective reality, it's your subjective thoughts around it. And that will fluctuate probably throughout the day and certainly throughout the month. And I think that allows people to take a step back from it as well and be like, okay, this isn't, this isn't quote quite like, I mean, it's real, but it's not objective. And thus I can change my thoughts around it and hopefully change how I feel about it.
1: Yeah, I love that. I remember I had a client once who had a real thing about control. And whenever she felt, out like that she was losing control over something or something changed like last minute. She imme- like almost immediately could link that with her body image in the sense of and she I remember one day she checked in with me and she was like, oh I had these feelings of like mom, I felt fat and because she was on the leaner side and her her body image issue was that she felt fat. And she said I felt fat at these times and she said but I can clearly see that it was because of this that happened at work and then this that happened with my dinner and like this and she was like so I don't I, it just is and when you can get that awareness, whether it be times of day or mood or sleep or hormones the it's very it's much easier to then be objective about it. I was thinking this today, actually, when I was on a walk and I had thoughts last night of nothing to do with body, but like various things like anxious type thoughts. And it was really interesting because it was like I just came out of my body and I was like, this is like this is not thought this is fact and then I was talking myself through it all and then I was like okay well what you would have done in the past is this what you want to do is go to bed and then, t- and I it was like I was going step by step I thought this must be what it's like to be like a client of one of our EIQ coaches or one of us and it's like oh when you develop these tools and I, I, and of course we do these things anyway but you know sometimes when it feels very clear and step by step and I woke up this morning and thought
0: gosh that is great
1: self-awareness is great
0: <laughs> I had that when I had a migraine once, and I it felt like I had a bit of an out of body thing, and I was like, "Just breathe into it." Like the pain, I think I used to be so scared of the pain, and that maybe that made the pain worse. And I don't know for some reason that time I was just like, not scared. I mean, it was still painful, but I wasn't like scared of it on top of it being painful. Mm. So okay. cool, mm.
1: isn't it? Just, oh, so great. Um, okay, Annie's question. We've got four questions here. So Fab, okay, how do you both? We'd love to hear your thoughts on something that came up with a client this week around her feeling like reframing the way she views fat loss food choices. It's basically just masking diet culture or putting a different spin on it. She wants to break these down as fat loss is a priority for her. So wondering how to help her challenge these thoughts or if there's any prompts or insight you have for how to go about working through this.
0: Hmm what a good question I don't understand it so you can answer oh, it. I think I do because whenever I write things like um what did I do yesterday and I was like someone could totally say this is like reframing diet culture but I think I said something like I was talking about how when you restrict food you enjoy it more right which is true but you could also like someone would take that out of context and be like oh yeah so you're just trying to glorify restricting food and like putting a different spin on it and blah 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 like I I get where it comes from but then when I think when you take a step back everything's to do with intent like you know if you're if you're writing in a coffee shop because you want to do it and you love writing that's like a piece of joy in your like day right if you're writing in a coffee shop because you're forcing yourself to because it's work that feels completely different the action is the same the intent is very different right same with dieting it's like if you're reducing the amount of starchy carbs that you eat because um, you want to include more fruit and veg and you want to feel better and it's something that you want to do to empower yourself that's very different than doing it because you're scared of carbs or you feel like you need to be in a smaller body to be worth anything in society like the intent behind it makes all the difference going for a run in the morning if you want to because you love how you feel when you start the day that way versus you're forcing yourself to, because otherwise you don't deserve to have breakfast. The action is the same, but the intent behind it is very different. And I guess part like, that is essentially reframing it. But, and you could say that's masking diet culture. Like, I don't really think it is. I think diet culture comes down to the external pressure that you're putting on yourself to make these choices. If it's you that's making the choice, it's your empowered choice if you feel like someone else is telling you to do that because you have to fit a certain mold, that's like, that's essentially what diet culture is. I don't think diet culture is an action. It's the intent behind the action.
1: Mm, love that. I don't have a huge amount to add really, other than me, it might be helpful to explain to her what diet culture is in the sense of, in a nutshell, diet culture is something, is a insepid messaging that says leaner means more successful and leaner means more attractive that's what diet culture is it's not dieting and so like you were saying the restriction thing of food tasting better like that's just that's a maybe it could be a diet hack it's it's not hack right but you know it's it's a diet thing for sure um but that doesn't mean that it's diet culture it's just diet and so I think actually maybe explaining what diet culture is and being like okay well do you equate being thinner to be more successful and to being happier and to be more attractive and things like that and then if, if it's like yes 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 then okay well then the problem is not in the the dieting the problem it might be and why is she dieting if that's the case potentially unless it's for her health I don't know um but the, I would look more at saying oh well maybe you could read around like um internalized weight bias and and weight stigma and things like that and and you can always you don't have to do anything with that you can just say sometimes i'll send my clients blogs and things like that but you don't have to ha- do that you can just say maybe you could go and read or listen to some podcasts around that um so you could learn a little bit about it and, and being mindful of the fact that if that if someone does do that then they might get a lot of anti-diet messaging too and but annie as you you are more than capable of having conversations around like that, that type of anti-diet messaging
0: yeah she says it's a bit like what you were saying around the changes in your brain when you're stressed or dysregulated etc and then having the education around that and you can be like oh of course I'm having these thoughts because remember what Amelia said about your brain and body image at this time okay I don't have to entertain this thought now yeah 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 mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Amelia's just saying diet culture has Has their own interests at heart, not yours. Reframing it to make it work for you puts you in control of your best interests at heart.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Also wondering how to support clients who are in a larger body and fear comments that people might make about their food choices or actions that they are taking to support their health. For example, colleagues, Saws wanted to keep this general. What are you saying, sorry for? Saws. Saws for existing. I think the worst thing you can do is be like, people don't care about what you do. I hate that. I hate when people say people don't care what you look like, people don't care what you eat. They do. And it's not right. And I think it 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 really disregards like people's lived experience when you're like, when you say that, and it can be really demoralizing because ultimately people are nosy and people are judgmental and people do care. I don't mean that they care and they lose sleep, but they'll they'll judge and they'll make comments because that's what people do and it's unhelpful and um, so avoid that stuff um that's one of my pet peeves I think when I see like coaches being like they just don't do it they just comment because they can't do it themselves maybe or maybe also they're just interested and like they I don't like they I also that's another pet peeve of mine <laughs> like people only comment because they don't feel like they because
0: they're not as good as you because you can sit to a diet and they can uh or because of how it makes them feel about themselves.
1: Yeah.
0: Which, <laughs> case but like you're right like the I don't think the intent is generalized as to anyone who ever comments on your food is only thinking this or anything that and you're right sometimes they're just like oh what are you doing because like you're looking in great shape or like I'm I was looking to improve my diet why like sometimes it's genuine interest yeah. sometimes I guess you have to question like why are you so averse to someone asking like I hate it partly because I'm just like I don't really want to talk like I can't want to talk to you about it um and also because it's all the preconceived of like well you're a personal trainer why are you eating that or like should you be eating that or like oh you'd only eat that or whatever right there's always something but then really that's not like I don't think you should walk around the world thinking that nothing vaguely annoying is ever going to happen like it's on you how you want to respond to that and how much brain energy you want to let that take up as well like cool someone commented on something and you don't really like it like that's going to happen in your life. You have to be strong enough to be able to deal with that and then move on and not let it ruminate in your head for the rest of the day. Yeah. yeah. And stop,
1: stop expecting other people to to like understand what you're doing. Like, who cares if people don't understand? Like, and why should they understand? Why should they care about health? Why should they care about you? Why should they? Like, I think we expect people to always just be um understanding and respectful, and that's just not the case.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, and yeah. I mean
0: practically I've got this. Well. So he normally says, rude <laughs> <laughs> like if anyone comments on her face you'll just shout rude in their face. <laughs> I'm like, that's a great I, I'm here for that. So that's I think you want, like, depending on the situation as well, just, just be like judgy. <laughs> <laughs> and then like they'll hate it. Like, oh, yeah. judgey though. Like, no one likes being called judgy or really. I, like I like that a lot. And then, if you don't have the
1: big labia energy for that, then either just ignore it completely. Like, practically, you can you can recommend like ignoring it completely, or just changing the subject. If someone says to me, like, someone was like should you be in that I'd be like so how was your day <laughs> like just totally change the subject because what yeah, are like, gonna... sorry, I didn't hear anything that you just said <laughs> yeah well you're gonna do be like no I just said this and be like oh yeah great day was it and just like <laughs> change the all things or I mean like you can do the you can do the very respectable adult thing and set a boundary really you know it's okay that you're interested in what I eat and ask about what I eat but it's not okay for you to judge what I eat and that's a very bruny, it's okay, but it's not okay, the boundary, boundary setting that you can do. Gosh, that's what I feel. Well, then um, brown, brown, <laughs> So it kind of depends on the person, I think. But I, I, I don't think, I think there's a level of pandering to it that you don't want to pass of like, okay, these are all your options. But I definitely think, and I've done this in the past, and this is why I say it, I've probably pandered it too much. And I think when you pander to it, people can then fall into a little bit of a victim about it. Of like, oh, it's so hard though, because you know what people say, this thing that's like, oh my God, I was a bodybuilder in an academic staff room with like a fashion department and a nutrition department. I know what food judgment feels like, but it's like realistically it's your choice and you own your choices and you just accept that other people don't understand. And that's fine.
0: Yeah.
1: Yep. Um, okay. Three question three, more thoughts. Well, how do support clients challenging their thoughts when they have almost do have a lifetime of evidence that does actually back up that thought? For example, they have been in a job interview where they were told their look, AKA their body fat levels didn't fit their company. Or partners have left them, left them because they're fat. Quote, quote. Just putting, just pulling out examples here. Is this out of scope?
0: I think it's very easy to highlight the situations where you you do find truth in that story, right? So, like as an example of this, most people find truth in like di- I always fail on diets right? cuz actually all of the evidence that they have probably does show that like every diet that they've ever done they've then put the weight back on so then it's very hard to un like cuz that has become a truth to you cuz you keep telling yourself that but once you point that out and you're like this has now become a bit of a self fulfilling prophecy that maybe you I don't know whatever the situations were well, but like with the dieting context it's like you almost trip yourself up because you go into it thinking it's going to fail or you think that people are going to judge you because you're overweight so, you kind of like walk into those situations or you, you misjudge their judgment, kind of thing. Or um, I think pointing that out and then getting people to start with a clean slate. I speak to clients about this all the time. Like, I get everyone to do a bit of mindset prep before they start commit to six. And this is part of it. I'm like, you probably have in your head a story that you've told yourself that is now very real that dieting doesn't work for you or that you always put weight back on, or you're just an all or nothing person, right? Because in some ways that has been a truth and you keep retelling yourself that truth. But if you don't want it to be a truth going forward, you have to kind of draw a line and be like, this is a new, like, this is the new time, right? And going forward, I'm not going to talk myself into failure. I'm not going to tell myself that I am like fixed as an all or nothing person. Like these are changeable things. That's kind of how I would approach it.
1: I totally agree. And I think, kind of coming back to this dysregulation stuff, um, sometimes, you know how, well it sort of falls in line with dysregulation stuff. Often we do things that feel safe that don't necessarily, are not necessarily right, right, because they feel comforting to us and safe and familiar to us. And the same can be said for finding this evidence. In that that feels almost familiar. So it feels almost comfortable to hear these things. So we look more for these things. So we hear these more of these things. We potentially see these things through our own lenses, which are not necessarily like this sounds like it was exact. But like sometimes like like if Emma's always looking at my head when we're talking and I'm worried about gray hair, um I automatically like she's looking at my gray hair and I convince myself she's looking at my gray hair. She's not she's just, just <laughs> she's just caught <cop-headed>. out. Yeah, exactly. But but for me, well I know that I've got grey hair so I know that's what she's looking at and no one look at it this weekend I'm getting a colour tomorrow it's fine um but it's that thing right I've never be...
0: noticed that you have grey hair like <laughs> if everyone's worried that I'm looking at something on them it's <laughs> almost that like I wouldn't even know. like if Amelia came in with like an undercut tomorrow I'd probably mm-hmm. be like oh, I didn't even I thought she'd always had that <laughs>
1: yeah remember when we were going to IFS right and we'd so I had a really tight crop top and Emma had helped me put it all over because <laughs> I had makeup on, right? we failed and I had like orange stains down the front of my vest and we were in and I was like Emma is it fine and you're like yeah yeah it's fine and then I took a selfie to see what it looked like and it was just like this bright orange stain you're like I thought it was fine and it's like Jesus Christ never ask Emma if you've got anything in your uh, teeth I know
0: like fashion useless not
1: in fashion. Just it. someone said well, to me, that they, "By the way, they loved what you wore." Someone whose podcast I did. I forgot to tell you. was just reminding me. Loved
0: what I wore.
1: I love her sense of style. That's what they said. They said that. All I wear is black top and black jeans. A man said it. I know that's what I said, It's like she's boring as hell. Oh, okay. A man said it. Yeah, so a, a relevant opinion.
0: Um, um, <laughs> I was doing it. So I watched something yesterday, and I think what was it talking about exactly? It was kind of saying that, like, if you're if you're someone who sees yourself in a negative light, you will kind of attract to people who also see you in the same way that you see yourself. Mm. And if you see yourself as a positive person or in a positive way, you are also, like, surrounded by people who also see the same. Now, I don't know if that's, like, chicken or egg. Like, are you going out of your way to look for people subconsciously that see you in the same way that you see yourself? Because, again, maybe, like, as you were saying about that, like, um, feeling comfortable in that environment. Or because of the way you see yourself, does that project onto the way other people see you? I mean, Mm -hmm. it's probably, it might be both, but I thought Mm -hmm. that was quite interesting as well because then those things, like, do come to fruition. I thought about this a while ago about, like, I think someone had been, like, rude to me. And I just thought, you probably, like, the reason you're, you were probably rude once, right? Once or twice. And then people respond to you in a different way when you're negative and you're rude. And it's not half as nice as when you're a happy, smiley person, right? Which means that you actually see the world in a far more negative way because your reality is now more negative. Like if you go around never smiling, never thanking people, never saying please, always being quite rude to people, maybe you've got a bit like resting bitch face as well. Like you probably genuinely experience the world in a more negative way than anybody else which means that probably then spirals into you again being more negative then i think yeah that that's like i can see why negative people see the world in a negative way because they they genuinely experience it in a more negative way but it's come from them weird right yeah i
1: like okay Question four: Thinking about being easily overwhelmed when things don't go a certain way or plans turn to shit, and that overwhelm is kind of created because of a need for control and things to be orderly, but that overwhelm isn't really helping in your business or in getting stuff done. Do you have any tips for this? Who's this, it's Annie? Annie,
0: Annie,
1: Annie, Annie. oh, feel don't like want <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So that
0: Has that ever happened to you, Annie, before? No, it's
1: not. Never. That you've
0: never heard that one. Um, um, you can jump on in this first on this one. Uh, well I got a little bit distracted halfway through.
1: Thinking about being easily overwhelmed when things don't go a certain way or plans turn to shit, and that overwhelm is kind of created because of a need for control and things to be orderly, but that overwhelm isn't really helping in your business or in getting
0: stuff done. Do you have any tips for this? okay a need for control I guess like part of its acceptance that not everything will be in your control and control what you can control and then I guess try and be a little bit more chill with not everything goes the way that you thought it was going to go like Amelia had loads of plans to get stuff done today and then a car broke down and then she probably locked herself out twice already and like <laughs> will happen I think it's still useful to have a plan it's also good to remind yourself that like we were both a bit stressed about like talks and things this weekend both change things like last minute but when have we not shown up and done well never like that and again it's like using that story but to the advantage of like every single time that I've meant to give a presentation I've given one has always been amazing no but like I've always turned up I've always Done my best on the day, like it's never been horrendous, right? So, I've kind of got that evidence of when I say I'm going to do something, I show up for it. Like, I'm the same in your business, like, I get overwhelmed at stuff, or something goes wrong, or all the automations fail, or blah blah, blah. like something will happen. But having that trust in yourself that it's all figure outable, chill out a little bit, like, get some perspective on it. We're also not like surgeons, right? So, you know, I'll stress out about stuff, and then I'm like, Okay, so I sent the wrong email a couple of times, like they got it right in the end. It's not the end of the world. It's the calories. If it came half an hour later or a day later or something like, you know, it, you're, it's human error. And the, I guess take the pressure off everything being exactly perfect. I
1: agree, and think about what you say to your clients around perfectionism and controlling their food, and the same will apply for you in that you have to actively practice being imperfect and actively practice like letting go of some control. Bringing on coaches for me when it was one of the best things for this because you can't. I don't want to control the coaches that I work with; they don't need me to control them. But when it's your business, it's like oh my gosh! Like initially, it's terrifying or bringing on a VA or anyone that you're giving away a bit of power to that's a really really scary thing to do and even if you're not thinking about a business in terms of like life relationships giving away that power is quite a scary thing but you have to actively practice it in order to feel a little bit more comfortable with it and like you said I think catastrophizing is great one thing like I made a few mistakes earlier this week um, Shockingly, and it was in different avenues, like different parts of my business, maybe different businesses, different parts of my business. And then I was like, Oh, that I've really cocked up today. And then I thought, Well, that person only knows I've done a little cock up. That person only knows I've done a little cock up. Realistically, I have cocked up and I need to learn from this, but realistically, it's not a big deal because it's a we cock up and everywhere else, and everyone can everyone understands a bit of human error, and so sometimes again, like keeping it in perspective of like, you know, if things are going to shit, but realistically, no one else really knows. So like, keep that in mind. It's not like it's not that big of a deal, um, but also just think like, read um read four thousand weeks read paragraph radical acceptance you'll probably get halfway through it and then be like okay I get the point fine it's really helpful to read um because like you said controlling the healthful things that you can control great i think it can be hard with business because you're like well i can control my diary well i can control how like how productive i am in that hour and, so, and sometimes you can but again keeping perspective of like you could block yourself out every week you could like Break your car, you could just be hormonal and struggle to concentrate that day. Like, there's so many reasons that life will get in the way of these things, and just like give yourself a break because, again, like something like this is your only life. And if you're like, if you're getting stressed out every single day about controlling stuff that you can't control, you're literally just throwing your life away and you're in the prime of your life, Annie. And if you wake up in your 60s and be like, oh my god, I spent my entire 20s and 30s, like obsessed over control you may really live it at yourself because you'll run your own business and there's so many amazing things about it and have someone i think that you can kind of just like take control sometimes and we speak about this sometimes and i actually was talking about it yesterday when i was saying this to one of my guy friends gosh have one of those days where i would just love it if someone was like do you know what i've got control of everything for the day just don't do you even need to think about what you need to eat i'm gonna just feed you like sometimes it's really nice to have someone else and it doesn't matter who it is just to be like I'm making the decisions today and so if you've got someone in your life that can do that like communicate that and ask for that support and sometimes people don't do it when you're someone who runs your own business and you're super independent because they don't think that that's helpful to you but actually sometimes it can be really helpful and just relax you a little bit
0: yeah I also think this reminds me of a saying of like you can either be late and stressed or you can be late Mm -hmm. I was like, that's such a like I remind myself of that all the time. I'm like, I can either get there and like, I mean, the truth is I'm gonna be late now. I can get there and be late and flustered and annoyed and pissed off that someone cut in front of me or whatever. Or I can get there and just be late, but still turn up at my best. And it's like you can run your business and be stressed, or you can run your business and not be stressed. Like you'll still do the same work, your day will look the same, but your enjoyment of it and how you show up. And the quality of your work, and then, more broadly, like the enjoyment of your life, because your life is going to be running your business, like a lot of that is a bit of a choice. And I often like remind myself of this as well. Like every day I get up that I have a lot on and I don't feel like doing it, I'm like, you don't have to do any of this. You can literally cancel every single thing in your diary. Then I was like, oh, actually, i do I do want to do all of it. And then I'm like, is there anything I want to cancel?" And normally I'm like, no, but, and I think just giving yourself that opportunity to kind of de-stresses you as well. You're like, I do want to do these things. There is a lot, there is a lot of pressure on me. And normally the things that are high pressure and that you're stressed about are the things you care about most. Right. So like, am I stressed about level up on the weekend? Yeah, a little bit, but that's because I care about it. Like, would I want someone to be like, oh, just take that stress away. We'll just cancel the whole event. Like, no. Okay, cool. Like, there you go. Right. Um, oh go ahead you go ahead
1: Um, I was just gonna say I've actually done that like I actually have physically done that and I said this to you when I was in Austin in like February or something where I was like I've actively reduced uh, quite drastically the number of clients I work with the number of people I've worked with because I was like do I still want to do that do it, and so I'm going to take it away and I'm going to choose not to do it, and then I'm going to see how I feel. And now I'm at a point where I'm like, okay, now I've now I've got to make a decision what I actually want to do, and where's this coming from? Is this coming from a place of like I need to do these things because it's what's expected of me, or it's because of my fixer identity, or is it because I actually want to do these things? And that's a, like that's a privilege to be able to say, right, I'm just going to stop doing that for a while or like reduce that for a while. But you can do that if it's like if you if you do run through that stuff that Emma just said, and you're like, actually, I don't know if I want to do it, well, then okay, we'll. Try not doing it for even a short term, a week, take a holiday, and then see what you want to do after that.
0: Yeah. Um, Annie's just saying, or late and dead when it applies to driving. I used to stress drive. Now I could not give a shit, but I'd rather not be dead. Yeah, makes sense. Might take this, apply it to everything. Yeah. 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 Great logic. Apply it to everything. You can either be late or late and dead.
1: True though. Okay, Sasha's question. Hi, ladies. So just actually some helpful info if you've got about HA, hypothalamic ammonia. So my period is over, 50 days late, not pregnant. Previously had HA for over two years. It's always been slightly regular since I got it back two years ago, but it's always come. But for the last few months, I haven't got it. I know it's because my stress levels are high due to work, and I find it extremely hard to completely switch off. I have noticed I have lost some body fat unintentionally. I've lowered my training now, don't run much anymore, but essentially feeling actually more stressed that this habit is a lot more out of my that this habit is a lot more out of my life. Do you think it's a matter of me regaining back the body fat I lost to get it back now too, or just lowering lowering my overall stress levels? I know my body is sending me a signal telling me something isn't right, but it seriously does annoy me because my body is super, super sensitive and I genuinely feel like it's not normal for a body to be this sensitive to stress. That's why I feel I'm different to others than have HA okay anecdotally i would say most people i work with that well not most a lot of people i work with who recover the period from HA are then more sensitive to it when they then die again and i think it's an incredible thing that our bodies go oh i've learned from this i'm going to catch it earlier this time and that's amazing that our bodies are able to do that now that's not that's not an evidence-based thing that's just from like I've worked with hundreds of people with HA um, and that is something, a trend that I see. So I don't think that necessarily you are quote, quote, different from other people. Um, It's very difficult to know without knowing someone if it's likely to be energy availability or stress or um, physical stress or psychological stress. And so I couldn't, like, I don't, I wouldn't say whether you should gain weight or not back yet. I don't know if you're, how lean you are, what your body fat levels are, et cetera, because that may well, like, that will have an impact. Um, but it sounds to me like, regardless of anything else, I would say one, go to your doctor just to get things checked, get your blood tested, very important. Um, and two, manage your stress. Even if this is to do with your body weight, if there's a chance that you're, period is late or consistently regular because of how stressed you are, then think what else is going on in your body because of how stressed you are. If you've not listened to Sula's the podcast we did with Sula, definitely listen to that because we spoke a lot about how, you know, I see a lot of women in their 30s clients who are getting diagnosed with chronic illness in their 30s. And it's usually a result of or in part a result of the, this chronic stress that we're not dealing with because we don't see it at the time. And and these types of um, illnesses are one thing, but you know, increases the risk of cardiovascular disease of heart, like heart diseases, cardiovascular disease, and um, like metabolic syndrome. So many things that we don't think about when we're in our twenties and thirties. But chronic stress, it gives you more wrinkles. Actually, I don't know if that's actually true. Anyway, it might. Um, so it makes your boobs smaller as well. Yeah, it makes your boobs smaller, and it also makes your eyelashes fall out. It's rule. The thing is, right, if we saw the impacts of stress immediately in our bodies or on our faces or in our hair, I mean it does cause hair loss being there, friends. and um, if we saw that, we would be much more likely to think, Oh my gosh, I need to manage this. And your body responding like with your irregular period is like, like you said, it's amazing that you can see, like, it's a clear message from your body. Work on your stress management. And I don't know what you've got going on in your life. And for sure, there are certain things that will go on in your life that you can't manage all of that stress, but you can manage how you respond to a lot of this stuff. And if it's business stress, then this is not helping your business. It's not helping your clients and it's not helping you and it's not sustainable. And we're going to talk about this at level up. Um, And I think Sasha is coming to level up. So you'll get a lot from that. And it's about identifying, you know, when do I need more rest or when do I need to work harder? Um, But at no point, Even Emma, with like with your unbelievable productive hours and workload, at no point are you like I'm going to keep working even though that I'm so like stressed to the eyeballs. So there's no need for it to get to that level.
0: Mm. I also think, I mean, well, like stress is perceived, right? So you could have someone who does a tenth of the workload I do, but is way more stressed about it. In fact, there are many people that would fit that criteria. But it's all to do with like intent and how you feel about it and how you're perceiving it and the pressure that you're putting on yourself. So I think it might not be that you need to, I mean, it might be that you need to work less, but it might not be that you need to work less. It might just be that you need to kind of take the pressure off it, remind yourself that it's pretty fun and and yeah, just do it, do it for the enjoyment, which is a lot of what I'm going to talk about, level up. So that'll be exciting. Mm, I'm excited for that. Is
1: that your Saturday talk? Yes, it's going to be great. Um, okay, that's all the questions. Great. Okay, thanks everyone. Thanks everyone bye. bye.